Okay, so I heard there's like literally people with ears that least I speak, they hear, I say, uh, they now hear in their air- airports, uh. uh, and it's not just my mother that listen. Yeah, how insane. I'm like, I'm barely digesting it. So I ca- can I say hello to someone? Say hello to anyone you want. Let me say hello. I don't know, like, is there anyone that you've, like, never met that you really admire? But how would I know if he listened to the podcast? Maybe he's not listening now, maybe he will later. Isn't that wonderful? Like, you do something now, you don't know where it's going to go. You have no idea what your reach is as a human. This is literally proof of that. Hmm. But he, he must be, like, a J- Jewish, no? Some of my strongest supporters, like, in the ring with me, while I'm going through it all, are completely non-Jewish. <laughs> and they've been, they've been messaging me. They've been saying, hey, do you want to speak? I, I called one of my old friends and I was, just ha- I, was, I was deep in it. And he was like, I love you, girl. I've always loved you. I'm here. Anytime you feel like this again, you just ping me, call me. If I, don't, if I can't answer, I'll call you back as soon as I can. I'm there with you. You're there in this. I love you. And that's it. Uh, okay, I want to say hello to Alala's band. I think they're from California, if I'm not wrong. They just released an album, um, I think two days ago, and they uh, give me a lot of good time these days. And uh, yeah, it's like uh, amazing escapism. No, there is like bombing missile and I hear there's like soft guitar. Oh, it's crispy. I'm so happy you brought that up because one of my shower thoughts just now was when you're outside of a thing like this and you see like celebs in support, you're like, oh, that's so, I don't know, hokey. It's like kind of cheesy. But now being inside of it, it's like it, it like it matters or like a lack of support. It matters to me or like this kind of hedging support that we've been seeing where people are like I care for both sides like I condemn but ultimately but but like this kind of equivocating thing it hurts um and so now here I'm just like oh, can we get to Drake like can can we get to more celebrities and I never thought that I'd be in this position to be like I want that I want the celebs coming out publicly and supporting us isn't that wild? Do you know what I'm... Do you... I know. I, for me, I actually... I uh, watched the news the other day. And then I seen, uh, I think, in Hebrew, I don't know if it's in English as well, prompter. It's like the line in the bottom of the the screen with, where they write some stuff, you know, some... Like the s- moving s- caption headline thing. Exactly. So I saw someone wrote like the... Uh, son of like uh, it's like age ageless they, celebrity ageless celebrity from Israel that they said that his son was hurt um, and I said okay like I wish him feel well but who cares and then I saw LeBron James support Israel and I li- I'm like okay now what you know for me it seems like a bit Stut. Huh. Nonsense. Like, like, okay, who cares? 
I guess as a woman, it cares for me a lot because of the Me Too thing. Huh? It cares. I mean, it matters a lot to me because of the Me Too thing. Uh huh. Enlighten me. You know, Me Too was driven by people out of Hollywood, right? It was like Harvey Weinstein, actresses. It was super public. Lots of actors and actresses came out in support of it and rallied the masses, including people like me. And now a bunch of them are silent or they're just like they've forgotten about the people that are still kidnapped. Like Miranda from Sex and the City came out with some Instagram post yesterday. It was super weird. Like, I, I, I mean, you could devote like 20 minutes on this podcast to taking it apart. And I, I don't really want to. But I was like, damn, Cynthia Nixon, I always loved you. But now it's just like, ugh. Because there's some, there's like support, then there's like silence, there's negative support, and then there's this like new thing that we're seeing now where it's like pseudo support, but it's actually really harmful and offensive and like wrong and continuing to spew more inaccurate stuff. And it's like, damn, mm, that sucks. Thursday, 19th of October. This is the 13th day of the war. I'm, uh, I'm in my car, could not get to the studio today. Keep this a little bit shorter. Thursday, we had the British Prime Minister Sunak visiting Israel, saying that the UK is with us. Quite uh, significant, if you take into account, this is a um, conservative prime minister with a, a East Asian immigrant uh, background, with such a huge Muslim population in the UK, many uh, sympathizers of the Palestinian cause. Saying that the UK stands with Israel is definitely significant. This day we're, we're having uh, more and more uh, reports from the IDF that they've taken out uh, uh, Hamas leaders, known terrorists, uh, no movement on the ground yet, which is what the, um, everyone has their eye on. When will the IDF uh, start a ground movement into Gaza, if at all? Uh, we're hearing about back-channel negotiations. Gaza needs humanitarian aid. Uh, Israel wants uh, hostages freed. They are holding on to children, babies, sick people, old people, women, civilians, hurt people. Uh, Israel is saying you're not going to get anything until you let it, you release the hostages. The aid coming into Gaza, everyone is is very suspicious that it will go straight to the hands of Hamas and not to the people. At the same time, there seems to be pretty much an official acceptance of the report about the hospital bombing that it was in fact Hamas fire accidentally hitting the hospital. Of course, the sides see it differently, but uh, officials from, from most of the Western world uh, understand that this is indeed what happened. And then late night, uh, between Thursday and Friday, we're hearing about the missiles coming from Yemen, far, far away to the south, and an American warship um, taking down missiles and some kind of aircraft heading north, perhaps towards Israel. A little bit of a mysterious story, maybe symbolic, maybe Iran's trying to, to send a signal. In any case, American warship taking down uh, missiles heading north. That was the story late night. 
and I'll give you the next update after the weekend. Let's have a safe, quiet weekend. Okay, so what about all this methamphetamine thing that you spoke about the other day? Let's speak about drugs. Yeah, exactly. Didn't we start this podcast episode one with you talking about drugs? Why shouldn't we talk about drugs now? Bring it on. All right. So I'm not an expert. Here's another disclaimer within an already disclaimered sort of post. We've done that all the time. I am not an expert and I have not had time to really get into the nitty gritty on this story, write a report because um, we've been just trying to like stay alive, which by the way, staying alive is the song that's in my head for the past two hours. And it's, I feel like it's too peppy and wrong, but I love the message, you know, staying alive. Um, Okay, so anyway, going back to the methamphetamines. Back in the day, not too long ago, when the Nazis, We're still around and there were concentration camps and extermination camps and lots of killing of the Jews, but not only the Jews, also Poles and gay people and lots of other people, um, but mostly Jews, okay? So they were really hopped up on methamphetamines. It's like a story within a story and I fell upon this book in New York last year called Drugs in the Third Reich. And I still kind of regret that I didn't buy it, but it was like $150. It's like an out of print book. And I just couldn't shell out that kind of cash on a book. Um, Not then, maybe in the future, who knows. But anyway, so the Nazi officers were really hopped up on methamphetamines, which I've never really taken. I don't think I've ever taken methamphetamines. I tried Adderall once in college and... That was when I know that was when I knew this is not the drug for me. Like I did, I think a quarter of a tab and I was up for two days and I was just like pacing maniacally in the library at WashU. And then I, <laughs> I had to like force myself to eat and like chill, but I, I, I definitely produce that kind of feeling or energy in my body. Like I'm a very adrenaline sort of endorphiny person. Anyway, so the Nazis, a lot of them were hopped up on this drug and, you know, meth makes you, it gives you like stores of energy, kind of speedy from what I understand. You can like go above and beyond for days. You don't really have an appetite and you can just like focus on a mission. And if that mission is like kill as many people as possible, even excel at it. And so a few nights ago, I'm talking to my friend, uh, shout out to Alex out in New York a brilliant um, physician, psychiatrist, who actually used to live here. And we were talking about lots of things. It was a beautiful phone call. And I mean, beautiful, like we were just sharing our pain. She was sharing her isolation, things we won't get into now. But amongst the many things we discussed, she said, you know, it's crazy. A few months ago, you know about the Adderall shortage, Amy? And I said, oh yeah, I heard about the Adderall shortage, you know, the Adderall shortage in America. Uh, she said, so she fell upon this article a few months back about this synthetic methamphetamine on the dark web, making the rounds and being sold. You know how drugs are sold. <laughs> and she was like, I have a hunch that those terrorists that came in, including the ones that raped and tortured and beheaded people with garden hose and 
burn babies alive, all of these harrowing things. She said, I have a hunch that they were on this substance because the substance is just, it's like insane. And she said, from what I understand, it's an even more, it's an even crazier substance than the meth that existed back when the Nazis were around. So I did some digging the next day. Actually, wait. Then I shot a message to another friend in New York and I said, have you heard about this stuff? And he said, oh yeah, Captagon. Everyone knows about that. I don't know who everyone is, but I guess people in his circle knew about it. So I started doing some digging and apparently Syria is one of the biggest producers and exporters of Captagon. And it's not only that it's one of the biggest exporters of it, it's one of Syria's biggest exports, if I was reading it right. And in January of this year, I found another article that the Israeli government, or, you know, like IDF or something, I don't know who exactly, but we intercepted a, an illegal shipment of Captagon from the West Bank to Gaza, where the pills were hidden in the doors of refrigerators. So if we intercepted one shipment, I can only imagine that other shipments have already gone through or went through since. And then the question is, how many people are on this substance? How long were they on this substance for? It's a footnote for now, I guess. There's a lot of footnotes in this whole bizarrely surreal sort of harrowing nightmare. But I think it's an important one to note for a second, you know? On the one hand, sound crazy. On the other hand, I would love to try that. What? Sorry. What is it? It's, 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 it's curious me. First of all, I mean, so one friend that I checked this with was like, how would they be able to rape most methamphetamines, like make dicks go limp to be crass about it? But... One of the scientific articles that I started reading the abstract for said that it's linked to sexual perversion. This specific pill? Yeah. So I guess it's like a different... Again, I'm not an but expert, a, a, but... Again, if you want to take this... Like, they did it for a really bad mission, yeah? Yeah. Like, how do you how love to say? Horrifying. Mm. This new world. But if you do it for, like, a good mission, what do you feel? Like, what is it exactly? I think it's an interesting question, you know. I, I think good people are capable of doing bad things. There is this pill doing like a bad influence? When, when people do MDMA, right, they feel a lot of love. Like, have you ever heard of someone going around and like killing a bunch of people because they did some MD? No. Or like, ooh, they dropped some acid and then they like... No, but when I see their jar... Like, oh, the like jaw twitch thing. Like, yeah, then it seems like they did something bad. I think there, you know, there's a lot of activity going on. But going back to it, I think it's an important question that you raised because after 9-11, you know, there was George Bush and he used to talk a lot about like evildoers. I, I wish I could do a George Bush accent, George W. Bush accent. And it was about like wiping out the evildoers of the world. And I think a lot of people walk around with this like notion that there's good people and there's bad people. But when I was over at this 
seminar in Auschwitz back in 2009, there was a researcher out of Canada speaking to us about his research, which relates to how good people can do bad things. You know, a lot of people look at Germans and they're like, oh, those people inherently are bad. They're inherently Nazis. And it's not true. One of my closest friends is German and she loves us and she's one of the biggest supporters and she's, she's like a sister. And his research allowed me to understand that every one of us is capable of becoming evil. So that's one thing that comes to mind. The other thing that comes to mind is when I was in college in St. Louis and I used to be more of like a wilderness girl, you know, with like a Nalgene bottle and doing hiking. And I was doing this wilderness experience expedition with freshmen and we had to do a training um, before we could, you know, lead groups of 18 year olds into the woods for a week. And as part of the training, they were like, we went to Southern Illinois for like five days to go hiking. And they also taught us stuff in the classroom before, you know, like first aid and different things. And one of the things they taught us about were these meth labs in the forests. Like people, the meth labs, they're not, I haven't really watched Breaking Bad, but meth labs also, I don't know about anymore, but back then we're talking like 20 years ago, people would set them up in the woods like in Missouri or in Illinois. <laughs> and so they were like, look, if you fall upon the following, like sort of, like you see a bunch of coolers and you see like a bunch of um, gas burners and like some glass beakers and some other things, I guess. I don't even remember all the details, but they were like, if you see these things while you're hiking, just back away slowly as if you fell upon a bear or something. Just don't make any noise, don't make any sudden movements because these people could just fucking kill you. <laughs> and if memory serves, we were on a hike and I was many people back, I think I was like somewhere in the middle of the line or towards the back and then someone just passes along. It's like a, that game telephone where you know someone makes like a, they put their finger to their mouth to make like a shh sound. Mm -hmm. And that was the message relayed and we started walking backwards. So some drugs are not like, ooh, if a good person takes it, maybe they'll just have like really kinky fun sex. Like I think some drugs are just like demonic. I have a friend whose dad is addicted to Mr. Nice Guy, or at least he was, and it really fucked him up. It's not like a, it's not a good drug. Not all drugs are created equal. There is a Hebrew saying, I don't know if it's work in English, I will say it in Hebrew and you will translate. One line at a time, please, Dora. Okay. Any yaladim ra'im, yesh yaladim shera'alayim. There aren't any bad kids, they're just like kids that are going through bad things. So, en samim ra'im, yesh samim shera'alayim. So, there aren't any bad drugs, they're just drugs that bad things happen to. Don't know. Can we talk more about drugs? Totally. I will just give um, a perspective of life in Tel Aviv for a second, who relate to drugs, and then we can keep speaking about drugs. Yesterday, I've been in this place, K-Bar. This is a place, uh, if you will come here and they will not destroy Tel Aviv, 
there is a bar which like you go there to I think in English you say dive bar yeah it's right. I wouldn't call the K a dive bar it's nice no it's not you go there like in 4 a.m and just don't communicate with anyone and you know it's like but it's clean it's, it's not dingy it doesn't have like sticky sticky but, countertops but it's and, like a really dark atmosphere yeah that's true too but that doesn't make it a dive i don't think at least okay i don't know what's the term but you get it so i've been there yesterday in like normal hour and suddenly they open the curtains uh-huh and you can finally it's not dark you literally can see the street And it What's a like, normal hour? Because a normal hour for the K is to go at 4 a.m. So yeah, so it wasn't like 11. 11 p.m.? Yes. Okay. So I've been there. The, the curtain is open. I can see the street. And people that I don't really know, but I recognize them, give me a hug. And people, I don't know, just chat with each other. And the music in the background was Shlomo Artsy, which is like kind of... I don't know, a version of... It's like Don McLean, Donovan, like this area, like a popular... No, maybe Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, I think... The Israeli Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> and every time I've been there, it's just like really dark electronic music. And suddenly they put this sad... Um, no, Nuga Kazot. Is it? Nuga. What's Nuga? אני חושבת על נוגט. נוגה, it's like, אולי נבדוק את זה. It's soft, it's tender. It's kind of folky. Like a folksy, soft, guitar-y, more instrumental, warmer. Never mind, you get the picture. And then over there in the small talk I have with someone, he told me he also think they took drugs. Mm-hmm. And we start talking about that. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, I'm sitting here with you, speaking about the same thing, a dream inside the dream, inside the dream, inside the dream. Wake up. Wow, the dream thing just hit, hit my dream this morning. I woke up at around 4 a.m. from a lucid dream in which I've been having these dreams lately where I'm like in a big... sort of warehouse almost like a an airplane hanger size you know just like metal really basic high ceilings um where you put like where you can imagine when there's an emergency like lots of things and people come together under some sort of cover and it's like the third night i've had that kind of structure in the dream this time i'm running around and like doing like emergency affidavits as a lawyer and signing people on stuff and trying to do good and all the while they're like people dudes <laughs> shouting at me and they're like everything you're doing doesn't matter you don't understand anything you're a terrible person you're not doing anything good for anyone and I was like oh my god I <laughs> can I even dream anymore like I'm being gaslit in my dream space and it's Yeah, I thought about that dream and I and then when I woke up I was like, oh that's interesting because when I was listening to one of the episodes the other night you at the very tail end you had included something that I thought was just us talking and not not recorded but where I said 
oh, this is great that we're doing this. Like this was always one of my dreams. And then I felt really guilty about it that night when I was listening. I was like, oh fuck, people are gonna like, <sighs> I felt really guilty. And then I had been thinking about that a lot yesterday as well. Like, am I even allowed to dream anymore? You know, like, is it okay to dream? Is it okay to still have dreams? My acupuncturist yesterday told me like, Amy, I think it's really important that you get back into your, you know, I, I make art. I, I, I dye fabrics with plants and stuff and I, I, I sew and I weave and whatever. And he was like, I, I really think it's important you get back to that, like even one or two hours a day to ground you. And I was like, it just seems so stupid to do that kind of stuff right now. Like it seems pointless. Like it's, it's like a dream that kind of dissipated. And he said, no, it's going to help keep you in the ring for all the work that needs to be done as we move ahead, which brings me to the other part of the drug story that I want to talk about, which is psychedelics and psychedelic drug reform and how much I'm, I personally want to see that being made more available in Israel after this is done for everyone to just deal with the new trauma. I mean, before this happened, I, I was a big advocate and now I'm just like, oh man, put me there, put me on the connect, put me in the in the Knesset, I want to personally make sure that we get the drug reform and, and the help that people need. Because, yeah, I do think that there are incredible, I caution to even call them drugs, real medicines, sacred medicines that we need now more than ever. But let me guess, as I know this terrible government, it will not happen. People will do it like illegally. It's really sad to me. I went outside today, yesterday as well, by the way. And I was really sad when I got back to the house. My experience outside in central Tel Aviv and then walking back through it, I felt really sad. Why? So Biden was in town yesterday. We didn't even talk about that. How did we miss that? That's like the story of the century. Biden was here. He was in Tel Aviv. Biden was, was in Tel Aviv. There was a lot of like traffic. There's literally all the roads was blocked and there was like extremely traffic. And the joke with, you know, the people have been in uh, yesterday. I went I study, I, I improve myself. I would high-five you, me. but you're like too far away. I went to Pilates and then the instructor says like, wow, you heard like Biden is town? And then we joke and I tell, yeah, yeah, I heard they, uh, the Bibi met him in the Romano. They took him to <laughs> eat some good stuff. They took him to the Nueva to listen to some good tunes. Yeah. Anyway, private joke, sorry. Yeah, no but for explain. like the Not 10 funny. people, yeah. Yeah, if someone gets the joke, ashrecha. The good thing, the, the funny thing about it is like traffic here is so bad normally like that I'm like, why do they call it like a highway in Hebrew, a freeway is called Kvishmail, Kvishmail or Kvishmail? Kvishmail. Kvishmail, it's like a fast road. And I always joke like they just need to change it because like for years, it's just been a slow road. <laughs> it's like, I'm like, they should just stop calling it like Kvishmail and start calling it like Kvishiti. Totally. Uh, totally. So like for us, like traffic is just, 
I mean, the only time that I'm ever willing to get in a car and drive in Tel Aviv is like in the middle of the night when the buses stop running. So like between 12 and 4 a.m. if I need to like move something from one place to the other or on the Sabbath, like those are the only two times that I'm willing to put my car into the city and like drive through it. Most of the time I'm just on my bicycle. And the traffic was so bad yesterday that I walked back from acupuncture in central Tel Aviv and I was, I didn't get the memo. Like I should have known, you know, Biden's in Tel Aviv. No one's going to bomb like Tel Aviv when Biden's here. Like that's just like, that That was clearly going to be the only pocket of time where you could just be like outside and, and you know, confident that, that something, you'll be fine for like, I don't know, nine hours. And I took a cab to acupuncture um and then i was like there's so much traffic there's so much traffic and when i left i had to pick something up from a friend nearby so i kind of walked around and i was like i called a friend i was like i don't understand like everyone's outside people are are doing renovation on the wine bar what's going on like i just feel like i'm did i is it oh what did it end like it ended while i was in acupuncture like what what happened i was just totally like shocked and he's like yeah yeah they open stuff and you know biden is in town so a lot of people are taking advantage of it and then as i as the walk continued it was an hour that i was walking and i walked through you know the creme de la creme of tel aviv coursing my way through and into south tel aviv where it starts looking like real dire we're talking like global south city but like the slummy part of it like that's that's what you walk through to get to where we live and I felt better when I crossed into South Tel Aviv. I was telling him on the phone, like, I just can't wait to get out of Central Tel Aviv. I, people were honking and they were shouting at each other and they were just, I was like, oh my God, it's like back to the way it was before. And it hit me. I had this deep, profound sadness just coursing through my veins. And he was like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I'm so naive. I'm so naive. You know, when the coronavirus pandemic happened, I was like, this is going to be that moment in time when humanity starts thinking about death and dying, you know, and dignity and just like end of life and caring for each other. But no, it was like really vicious and people, you know, did what they did. And then when this happened, I was like, everyone's mobilizing, everyone's working, everyone's volunteering, you know, there's, there's so much light and there's so much love and maybe this is that kind of wake up call to shake people into their tenderness and their humanity and their kindness and their compassion. And as I walked through the city and I felt the energies and I absorbed the energies and I, and I, and I witnessed all the things I witnessed. So maybe it was a blessing that I had to walk home. I, I realized that, that, that it's never going to happen, that there's never going to be a point in time where things get so bad. You know how people on the far left are like, oh man, we're waiting for like an end of times event to like shake people out of their stupor and like get us to a new world order. Um, Yeah, I don't think that's gonna happen. You know what I mean? Like if it didn't happen now that like people are just like, oh, I'm not gonna like honk, I'm gonna be a little patient or oh, I'm not gonna drive my car into the intersection effectively blocking the other traffic and the pedestrians from crossing the street. Like I'm gonna think of other people before myself. And 
I was so sad that I became despondent. It was, for me, it was, I, I was obviously super sad a lot this week, but this was a different kind of sadness. This was like a loss of any sort of hope, I guess, because there was something as, as heartbreaking as everything was, the thing that was kind of really keeping me going was all these initiatives that I was part of and all these amazing humans that I was connecting to that were just warriors of love and light and activists and doing good. And then I just, I realized how naive I am. And I, I called a special friend and naive I am. How naive I am. I agree with everything you say. Amen. Thank you. And even before the COVID, I think south of Tel Aviv was always comforting to, I don't know why, but to see an ugly building and dirt and, and different kind of people and this sketchy atmosphere, there's something, I don't know, much more, a better way to live, I think. I think, yeah, that, that really resonates with me. And also, it was such a contrast, you know, to be there with, surrounded by, in, in the Kidova Sea. You know, sometimes I can't remember how to speak English. <laughs> so, Dor, you're doing amazing. <laughs> thank you, thank um, you. I was inside, like, the, the, beating hub or something like the, the, the heart chamber of materialist, materialist values that kind of course through society. And then when you come here, you see kids playing with their parents and kids playing with other kids and people sitting outside and just like drinking a beer. It's, it's a bit more simple and materiality isn't the guiding value of this neighborhood. And, there was something really heartbreaking. I, I remembered my father calling me naive and there was something I, I, I felt sad about it. Like, and the person that was on the phone with me while I was walking until my phone died because I, I was just so, I was, I was so sad. It was like despondency kind of sad. It's like where, where you're edging into numbness of like losing faith sort of and what it's all about. And he said, it's not your weakness, you know, and just, just know that that's how, how you are. I, I don't remember exactly how he said it, but then I said, you know what? You're right. Because, you know, people were like, what? You've just been volunteering. You're not, you're not making money right now. Like you need to really be focused on your career. And I was like, what are you guys talking about? Like, that's so ridiculous sounding to me. And then I said, you know, I might be naive and I might be all these things, but I'm really more than ever much more comfortable in my own skin and much more confident in the set of values that courses through every inch of my being and what I stand for and who I stand with has never been clearer and I'm not sleeping well at night okay I'm not gonna you know they say like you can sleep well at night I'm not sleeping well but I I'm sleeping well knowing that you know if that makes sense I cannot say the same thing about me. Why? We'll keep it to another episode. 
before the credit, we just want to say we take a break for the weekend and we will be here on Sunday. We're taking two days to, not like we're going to be out having fun, but just to kind of do a little bit of rest, listen to what we've done so far, kind of recap, recoup. I don't, I don't even know how to say it, but we'll be back. I, I, I might take this octagon. Optigon. Optigon? In the weekend. Please don't take Optigon. Oh, I feel like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like, should we do that? Like, we'll be back. Credit? Credit. We're not going to sing? Um, drugs, drugs. Ah, yeah, there's a song of the verb. Now the drugs don't work. No? So, credits. No. Okay. <laughs> We're not going to do staying alive. <laughs> ah, 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 staying alive. Thank you to Shema Productions, Jonathan Gall, Maya Schlesinger, Dora Comet, and I'm Amy Sapan. Thank you for listening. Stay safe. <laughs>